Hey, 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 welcome to Tech Vines, where we talk about tech, we talk about wine, and we drink some wine too. Welcome to episode 42. I'm your host for this fabulous episode, Colin Gallagher, and I am joined by, as usual, by my compatriots in tech and wine, Scott Delaney. Say hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Hopefully you enjoy the show, and welcome back for those that are regular listeners. And Melissa Gurney-Green. Hey, Melissa. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here this week. How is everybody doing this week? Uh, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> the thing about it is um, days don't have a feeling anymore. It's just, it's just like Monday has a feel, Friday has a feel, but like the middle of the week, like I, like if you told me this morning that it was Tuesday, I would have believed you until like I looked at my actual schedule and said, oh, we're doing the podcast tonight. Um, but other than that, it seems to be everything has kind of a, you know, a, 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 um, a pretty midweek sort of feel that doesn't distinguish it from any of the other days. So anyway, it's good. It's good. Drinking wine. So favorite part of the, the day for sure. Yeah, my week has been, um, the theme of the week has been migraines. <laughs> Specifically between the hours of whenever I wake up and about 1 p.m. So it's been a little rough. Um, I'm, uh, I almost canceled this morning because, because of those and, and just going, oh, I'm not gonna make it. But um, here we are, it's, it's the afternoon and I am good to go now and feeling awesome. pretty good and getting some things done too. It feels good. How about oh, you, nice. Colin? Uh, it's been sort of a, this week is dragged and sort of been unmotivated and just sort of slogging through random stupid stuff. I was complaining to Scott about putting together a presentation for like random topics that have no, don't go together and didn't get any guidance about who was presenting what the whole, it's just anyhow. So, but I, yeah, I was, it was a long day today. It got better about an hour and a half, about two hours ago. And so I just sort of pulled through now and I'm looking forward to this and I'm probably gonna take a half day tomorrow because I just need, I need time off and just not there. Um, but um, so the topics for tonight, let's start with the wine topic first. Uh, the dog wants, uh, Colin, the dog wants to go out. Yes, that's right. But it's he's, raining out. The dog, oh, yes. scratching at the door. He wants yeah, to go yes, out. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, Okay. Sorry. So uh, while, I, while I let the dog out, let me go through the wine topic. The wine topic for today is fruit wine. Decided we do something a little different. Um, talk about fruit wine. So what did people find for fruit wine? That's all you, Scott. You you want oh I'm, I'm bringing up the rear with my fantabulous summary of things like I do. Okay, all right. So you want me to go first? So I am actually drinking. So like when you suggested the fruit wine, I was like, oh man, it, it reminds me of like a port. It's just this syrupy, sweet. It's like I can have a glass of it, and I'd rather have a glass like as kind of like to sort of finish something up or complement something sweet, but not a real big fan of the uh, of the fruit wine but i did a little research and i talked to, to my wine guy and i ended up getting something from um a local winery it's called labella it's based out of new hampshire right over the right over the border uh and it is a red raspberry and um i opened it up and i had such low expectations i was like you know this is going to be like you know robitussin that's what i was kind of expecting and uh, and I took a sip of it, and I was like, "Wait a minute! This is a this tastes like raspberry, right?" So I uh, I went online, and I it, actually as I tasted it, like I took a sip, and then I took another sip, and I said, "You know what? This would be awesome with is like a big bowl of vanilla ice cream. This would be like the best like to have with." I just think I'm craving vanilla ice cream. I think, um, 
but I, so I, I I poured it and then I went and I uh, I did a research a little bit of research and in fact it's made 100 percent from uh, from raspberries um, and it pairs with ice cream. That's exactly what it said. So I, I think I'm getting good at this. So I was able to quickly identify the pairing. So um, so so good stuff. But I have so I I have a glass of that because I didn't want to drink all of it because I want to save it for when I'm going to have ice cream. And then I did a backup. Um, there was a deal going on some Melbic. So I got a, I got some Melbic. So I'm going to drink the raspberry wine and then I'm going to cut it down with a little bit of Melbic. So that's my strategy for this evening's uh, wine portion. Nice. Melissa, do you want me to go next so you can bring up the rear? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yours is going to be the best one. We can't do that. Mm. No, mine, mine is okay. <laughs> so... Mine is, um, well, it's called Liquid Popsicle, Ooh. and it's strawberry-flavored, and here is the beautiful bottle, and it was one of the few fruit wines I could find. Um, it wasn't impossible to find, but it was definitely tough, um, and it has this wonderful, delightful flavor of strawberry soda, <laughs> with a little bit of alcohol in it is what I'll call it. So, so it's like, I don't want to say strawberry soda mixed with Boone's Farm, but <laughs> it's close. Would you add ice if you could? <laughs> no, I can do it without ice. I'm is, it, uh, is it fortified? What's the alcohol percent on it? 12%. Okay, mine's 11 Okay, so, so, so me, so so no, I'm I went with a cranberry wine, ooh, um, which I really like, and I originally thought I had some in the house, um, and I went to look because there's if you don't know there's a winery on Cape Cod called Lighthouse Winery. Have you ever been? Um, it's in Truro, I think, Scott. It's the um, one. So I I have not been to the winery, but I know it because the bottles come and they're shaped like a lighthouse. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I knew yes. I saw in the in the wine fridge I saw two bottles shaped like a lighthouse. I was like, what the hell? I just I know they make a cranberry wine. I was like, it's got to be the cranberry wine I bought from them. You know, back. Uh, so I let's do it. Pulled it out the other day, and it's their white wine, not their cranberry wine. <laughs> so I decided I have to go scramble for cranberry wine, um, and luckily. Cooper's Hawk makes a really, really great cranberry wine that popped into my head. So if you if you don't remember, Cooper's Hawk is that uh, sort of chain winery restaurant, um, um, and um, and uh, you know with you know sort of, where they have a, a pretty good wine selection um, that, that spans the, the the thing. They do tastings, etc. But they also have you know food menu, sort of that sort of. Um, but they have a really great cranberry wine. Um, it's nice and tart. Um, little hint of citrus in it as well. Um, it's light, you know, it's not too syrupy. The problem with fruit wine, sometimes, Scott, as you said, they can be too syrupy and dessert whiny. Um, this is really nice. I would pair this, I, mean, I wouldn't pair this with dessert because it's it's tart like a cranberry, um, but I would pair it with with more like, you know, with cheese or something else, a little bitter where it can hold up to the, to the, um, you know, the, the, the tartness of it. So I, it's probably a before meal, an aperitif wine, right? You know, as opposed to, you know, a digestif, like a dessert wine or something like that. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very happy with it. It's got a lovely little bottle. Yep, yep. You know, 20, 20, you know, 20 ish bucks um, accessible everywhere because it's Cooper's Hawk or everywhere there's a Cooper's Hawk. Um, I don't know if you can order online from there or not. But I was I was very pleased at my last minute pinch hit of finding this instead of instead of the Truro. Because uh, I wanted to tell the whole story about the, the, the winery that makes them in, in these bottles that are shaped like lighthouses. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I ruined it for you. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, I no, I ruined it for myself because I didn't get to. No, yes, we yes. should do a a crazy bottle episode or something oh, yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, we need a little bit of lead time on that just to find it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna just sip this for a little bit and enjoy this. I don't think I'm gonna switch. I'm sort of just taking it easy tonight. I think. But okay, on to the tech topic. And the tech topic that I challenged you with last week was let's research and talk about wireless technology, more specifically interesting use cases of wireless technology, because I think um, as a bunch of these new wireless protocols have come out, there's a lot of different use cases and some that are, you know, sort of unexpected about it. And I have a couple ideas, but, um, you know, let's see. Scott's drinking now, so let's put him on the spot and ask him to talk. <laughs> How fast can he put his glass down? Um, yeah. Um, I So the thing that I think about when I think, you know, wireless is, I, I, I mean, I don't have, so, so what interests me the most about that isn't necessarily a particular piece of the technology. I think it's just the disruption that all of these new wireless capabilities are going to provide, right? So it will change a lot of the ways that, you know, we kind of do the day-to-day -day stuff because, um, you know, you just think about like on, on the wireless side, like the, the home automation, right? Being able to go in and basically never have to flick a switch or, you know, change a channel or anything like that, just being able to kind of magically have these things happen. And I think, you know, that experience you can control in your, you know, in your house because everything is running off of Wi-Fi. But I think, you know, as things become connected and as more information gets shared across different platforms, just being able to be outside of the house and still being able to do some of those things, I think it'll be, you know, kind of you know, kind of interesting in terms of, you know, what are the, what are, what are some of the, you know, the startups and what are some of the innovators, you know, that are out there looking at this? What are some of the, the ways that they're looking to actually implement the, uh, the technology? So I don't have a good, you know, a good use case for you other than, you know, I would like to be able to, you know, walk into a store and be able to just, you know, without having to go through different aisles, be able to find exactly what I'm looking for, you know, in the event that I actually physically go to a store. But just, you know, again, that, that type of experience where, you know, the things that you used to have to do and were annoying, like, you know, walking into a restaurant and having to wait in line when you have a reservation, right? It would be great if, you know, you could be able to just walk in and just kind of seat yourself, right? Or whatever it is. Um, those types of things. So probably not the best example. I know you probably have a better one because you're the one that picked the topic. I have a couple, but you just reminded me of one that I had sort of forgotten about, but which I was thinking about, which I think is a really cool example. But yeah. So, Scott, I got to ask, do you have the Home Depot app at all? I don't. I, I know you do the Home Depot runs from time to time. But um... Um, I go to the Home Depot, yes. I don't. So... Um, the only time I go to the Home Depot is if I'm like, if I need something and I need it like right away, quite honestly, um, for the most part, I'll order off of Amazon. So I really don't go to the box stores unless it's something that I know exactly where it is. It's a, you know, I need a particular size, you know, screw or nut or something like that. I'll go to a, a Home Depot so I can kind of like physically see it. But for most of my, my stuff, not, not really, I would go to, I would go to Amazon. Um, I've ordered stuff off of Lowe's, which is kind of hit or miss. Um, I find, you know, 
so the thing that I like about Amazon is the reliability. So if I order something and it says it's going to be there the next day, 99% of the time it's there the next day. And I can count on that. Some of these other, some of these other retailers, I feel that if I order it, it'll say it'll be there on Tuesday and they may ship it out on Tuesday, but depending on the shipping provider that they've chosen, it could be, you know, six, seven days before the item actually arrives. So, you know, part of the, you know, the usability of the experience is the fact that, again, um, you know, I, I, I can trust and rely that within a day, usually, depending on what it is, I'm going to have the item that I have versus knowing that it ships and not really knowing when I'm going to actually get it. The reason I bring it up is because um, there's actually some really cool wireless technology that Home Depot uses that kind of hits on one of the things you said you wanted which is that in-store experience, right? Whereas if you have the app and you're walking around the store looking for stuff, it will it will kind of be aware of of your location and roughly what you're looking at based on based on where you stop in the store with the app on your phone. And then it will be able to inform you of things like sales um, related to the items you might have looked at or comparable items or or things like that, like restocks, which I thought was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's I, my gym is next door to the Lowe's, so my Lowe's app always triggers me and reminds me of something right when I'm in the gym. But other than, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's that side of it too, right? Stop yeah, by but Lowe's, I think, you're at the gym. So, so you know, it's a good, it's a, it's a good point, right? So you bring up the whole the app, whatever. Pick the pick the the um, the retail location of of choice. The reason why I, I probably don't have the app is again, I only go there if I actually need to go there. So it's you know far and few in between, and, and I will avoid it. But you know that example of you know Home Depot or whoever the the retailer is, you know being able to run analytics up against that to be able to help them, which is great. It helps them. They're trying to figure out okay, how do I get this person, this consumer, to spend more money, spend more time, whatever it is that they're trying to do. But I don't necessarily think that it helps me all that much unless I'm looking to see if something is in inventory and I don't want to drive you know the 20 minutes unless I know they actually have it. Fair. Yeah, well, as you can think, it's like I've I've used the you know the Lowe's app to find things in store, right? As I've gone there, and then the yeah. problem is you have to figure it's oh we have in stock, but then where is it? Which aisle is it? You know, some you know some things are in multiple aisles. What bin? Of bin. Yeah, yeah, you know, what bin, yeah. It's yeah, the, and the bins are crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So it's no, I, I think that's an interesting use of where they can guide you better and better in the getting there. Um, that reminds me of there was an interesting exhibit in London. I always wanted to do this for a trade show. I think I may have mentioned this to you, Scott, or or for an exhibit. Um, I don't think it's possible at scale, but there was an exhibit in London by a, uh, an installation artist. And what he'd done is he'd taken the ceiling of this um, large open space and he'd wired sprinklers up to it, but the sprinklers were all uh, individually controlled. And there was artwork along the walls and, stat and, and some statues and stuff, all waterproof. And they gave you a badge and let 10 people into the room at once. And as you walked around the room to look at the art, it detected where you are and stopped raining around you. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a cool experience. Like, you know, just to walk there and like have the water stop whichever way you moved. Yeah. But yeah, that is kind of cool. But again, that the problem is, is that doesn't scale. Right. And, yeah. you know, the only thing you could do is you can get, you know, 30, you know, bubble machines and have it rain on you. We've talked about that story before. Yeah. So I, <laughs> that one is just yeah. like if you're in the room, you're getting wet. 
but sort of what prompted me to talk about this topic, and I'll, I'll let you go in a second too, is, is like, I, you know, I was, I was actually looking, at, I was looking online on Facebook and I got an ad for those um, contact business cards um, where, you know, it's a, you get, you get a business card, it has an NFC chip in it and all you do is tap someone's phone with it and it transfers your information to them as a contact. And it, it made me think about some of the interesting uses of NFC. The, the one that I really like, I'm a big fan of a device called the Wi-Fi Porter. It's a engraved block of wood that you put, put in your house, or I think it's ideally meant for um, Airbnbs or places like that, you know, where you've got many people coming and going. And it has an NFC chip inside the block of wood. And you tap your phone to it, and it gives you the Wi-Fi information for that location. So it nice. allows you to accept and install it. And so I think that type of thing... Um, you know, super interesting, you know, because I think well, you can actually transfer information like that. Again, it's in a block of wood. It's not powered. You know, it doesn't require anything. Um, you know, it's really, really useful, you know, better than scanning a QR code. Again, everyone knows my opinion on QR codes, right? Mm -hmm. But those things where, hey, you know, you can just scan, um, tap and scan and get a bunch of information. You can see doing that, you know, in a, in a museum to get information about a pic, you know, a picture or something underneath, underneath, while it's not raining around you or something else like that, where you can just transfer, you know, that, that right amount of data or in that case, a URL to pull something up, right? Um, but a, a small amount of data, you know, wireless, I think just something that we couldn't have done before. I think it's, it's really incredible with, with that level of technology. Yeah. Well, plus it's plus it's affordable, right? <laughs> like it's no longer, I think it wasn't that long ago in order to try and make something like that possible. I mean, you were talking significant dollars um, in, in order to implement something like that. But the, you know, the cost for doing that just because it's become so mature and pervasive, you know, that's, that's the game changer, right. Is, is being able to have that become ubiquitous, right. At, at, you know, a retailer or, you know, wherever it is that you're going. Um, you know, that's, that's the other thing that I find interesting about this whole, you know, the whole wireless um, topic is that um, the affordability, right? The, the, the cost points to get into some of the technology um, is, is, you know, it's, it's very affordable. It's, it's not outrageous. It, it, you know, it provides um, a, um, it removes a lot of the friction that would normally be in place in order to do some of these things because you don't have to spend not even thousands of dollars, not even hundreds of dollars, right? It just, you're talking, you know, a few dollars in some cases to be able to, to do some of these things. My favorite example is, again, I'll go back to the home automation, right? The, the, the smart plugs that I use, they're like $8. So anytime, like, I'm sitting there and I actually have to get up and, like, flick a switch or turn something on or turn something off, I get irritated. And it's like, what am I doing? I'm living like a caveman here. I have to actually get up and I have to actually physically touch something when I have this very helpful assistant who's always on call and all I have to do is summons that individual and, you know, any, any of my, well, any of my uh, home automation um, needs will be met, right? So, hmm. um, so that your Fitbit can tell you you haven't gotten enough steps today. <laughs> well, I get that all the time. <laughs> Melissa, what about you? What did you come up with for wireless technology? Oh, goodness. I am most excited, and, and this is the, um, the theme park enthusiast in me about wireless technology at theme parks. A couple, a couple of different applications, actually. So a theme park um, is mostly focused around water. Schlitterbahn does wireless tracking for kids. 
So they have little wireless um, wristbands they use, and you can track where your kids are in the park, go find them at any time, or if they're lost, you know, lock things down until until you can locate them, and you, they have little monitors all over the park so you can see. Um, I'm a huge fan of the water park at Universal Florida, um, the Volcano Bay or whatever it's called, um, because they let you use your, your watches to actually wait in line for you at rides. Um, which is super duper awesome because I don't really want to stand in line for two hours anywhere. <laughs> so if I can like scan my watch and it tells me when to come back, that's super cool. So, so love that. Um, I, I was super impressed with the Disney magic band. It doesn't have that functionality, but the fact that it recognizes you throughout the park and creates like an interactive experience, but also like stores all your credit card details in there too if you want to where you can purchase anything just by waving your wrist um is is really useful because the last thing i want to do especially at disney is lose my wallet so if i don't have my wallet i don't lose it <laughs> so having having that accessible on my wrist and and in a more secure location and not really worried about getting all of the wallet stuff wet um from rides and whatnot is super cool so thinking about that technology and and what it means to like travel with still relatively small human beings um, <laughs> to do all of these things I, I'm super excited about about that and and what it means for our future when we start implementing more um, smart city oriented technology right yeah I think the, the 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 theme parks in particular are really on the cutting edge and a lot of the things that they're doing you know that's what the smart cities of the future are going to look like because you know they're they're doing things to you know number one be able to provide a better you know guest experience which is you know obvious but the the other part of that which is i think less obvious to a lot of people is they want to remove the friction again so that it's easier for you to spend more money spend more time spend more whatever that they're trying to you know they get trying to get you to change your behavior right it's the classic going to disney and you have the band and everywhere you go every time you eat every time you do something every time you get a t-shirt whatever it is you never have to pull out you know a a traditional form of uh, payment, credit card, whatever it is, you just wave your wrist and magically yeah. it all happens. But you have no idea what you're, exactly. what you're spending. Actually. Exactly, yeah. that's part of it. Yes, and, yeah. they, yeah. and, they, and that is, and believe me, own. and believe me, that is deliberately hidden because they could very easily say, "Hey, so you're you have the band, and so you're here day three. Here's how much money you've spent." And believe me, if they could provide that information, I think a lot of the guests would find that incredibly useful. So they could say, "Like, oh my god." Look at this. We're 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 you know we're, we're here two days. We're here for another four days, and we already went through a hundred percent of our budget. We got it, but they don't provide that. Again, the user would like to have that, but the the actual um, uh, venue doesn't want to necessarily provide that because they're still trying to get every you know additional dime that they can out of you. And my favorite part about that, the whole band experience, is even after you check out. They don't even tell you how much you owe. They just they said magically, okay, you're free to go. Go to the airport, go wherever it is, you're done. We'll send you the bill. And then they usually wait like six hours because believe me, I know as soon as you check out, they could totally send you what that bill is while you're still there. They wait six hours until you're at the airport, on a plane, home, whatever it is. So you're less likely to be like, oh my God, what did we do? And then that's when they hit you with it. So it's um, it's brilliant from a, from a business model perspective and i have to totally respect that 
but it's one of those things again unless unless you know you're like what we do where we're like paying attention to that sort of stuff because we're on the inside so that's part of what 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 we do right is we provide you know the 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 things that all of those really smart applications are able to to run on um you know most people generally don't don't realize that oh my god there's a reason why you don't get a, you know an immediate alert that says hey so if you just bought another you know you just bought lunch so you spent another, you know, $180, and this is how much you've spent since you've walked through the park. Because, again, they can easily provide that information, but they do not. Yeah, yeah like my Apple Card provides it or my other card provides it. Every time I charge something, it pops up on my phone immediately. So, yeah, that, that technology is there. They don't want you because they want, they want you to know how much you're spending. Yes. That's right. They don't hit your credit card until you actually check out with the whole charge because they yeah. don't want you to see what you're spending on a daily basis. So yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, cool. No, I, I actually I find that, that I find that you know the, that watch band technology really interesting, and the fact that they can use that to track you to a location, you know, um, you know I think um, is really interesting. The fact that they can ping that and track you all across the park is just super, super cool and interesting. And you know, the fact that remember these things used to take so much power and tech, you know to do something like this, and the fact that you know they can do this with you know NFC or, or Bluetooth low energy, you know, like or the iBeacons that Apple came out with to beam, you know, to get your precise location based on something that is really, really super cool and interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I beacon is what Apple uses for the Apple Store, so you know when you're in the store. And by the way, that's the other one that I think is sort of interesting technology. And I don't. It's not quite wireless, well, sort of per se. Is it's the touchless checkout? You know, like you know, Amazon Go or, or the Apple Store, where you go in and you pull up the app, you scan something, you pay for it on your phone, and you walk out with the device in your hands. You know, the first time I did it, I was like, someone to watch me, someone to inspect, so I have to show them the receipt of my phone. Nope, they just know you. They just let you walk out. I don't know how they do it, but yeah. So that's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing, the other wireless technology that I really, I really like is um, the Zigbee or Z-Wave technology. And if any of you guys have lights that support that or some of the other ones, that's the, the no, mesh, wireless mesh, mesh networking. The Hue Lights uses one of them. I think it's Zigbee. Well, there, there's two competing protocols. They're super low, super um, low voltage uh, wireless mesh technology, primarily used in lights, but also in a lot of home sensors. So if you have like water leak sensors or other things like that, um, they, they, they require power. Um, but they use very minimal amounts. And they establish a mesh because they just they relay the signal through the other devices in the house. Um, yeah, and so it's like if you if you get the Hue devices, the way in which it tells Hue lights to turn on or off is is through one of those protocols. It sends one to one, and then it sends it out to, to all the rest in the network of the mesh and sets them down. And vice versa, if you know if you have a leak sensor, it relays it back. So it's just, I think just the fact that you can build a mesh of low power devices in your house by plugging in normal everyday things you use lights, you know sensors for some of us. I guess some of us use sensors on a regular basis, but you know or remote door locks. A lot of the door locks now, those wireless door locks are are powered by those same technologies because again because they need to operate in a low power mode but they need more power than you can do with something that just transfers just a minute amount of data so i, think, I always thought that was really cool yeah cool cool so n nobody else has any other any wireless technology stories well i mean there's the almost science fiction stuff that that i've been kind of following in in the world of ai and ml like there, there was an article today I read about um, about exoskeletons that uh, learn as as you use them, and um, of course the the Parkinson's watch that enables people with Parkinson's to actually write again. 
which is super cool. But <laughs> but I think we covered that watch at one point. So <laughs> I'm I'm kind of obsessed with the watch. But the exoskeleton is is exciting to me. Um, know a couple of people with traumatic brain injuries or spinal injuries and giving them the ability to be mobile again, um, having people who have lost use of, of their limbs due to stroke or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> disease, whatever it is. Um, it, it seems like a really cool thing and it's all enabled by wireless technology, of course. Yeah, my favorite my favorite use case that I use every day for the wireless side is the uh, the smart car, right? The uh, the internet enabled. Um, it, it not even it, we're not even talking like a Tesla. We're talking the three of us, right? The the, the Ford F one fifties, right? And the fact that you know it is it is Wi Fi enabled, so it is smart, um, and it um, you know allows you to be able to basically you know control everything and monitor everything you know, through the app that supports it. Um, I find that incredibly valuable. And I think, you know, going forward, um, you know, when people look at, you know, what, what car they want to drive, I think that's going to be more important than the car itself because that really defines what that user experience is like, right? Um, you know, here in New England, I can't tell you, like, if I'm, if I'm not home and the car's not in the garage and I have to start it, I, to the thought of going out and actually having to sit in the car and not having it already warmed up and running for 10 minutes, I feel like, you know, I've taken, you know, it's like I'm stepping into a stagecoach in 1882 with, you know, four horses, oh, you know, they're going to take me through a snowstorm. It's like, oh my God, what have I done? But now it's like you get in and it's nice. It's warm. It's, it's the thing that I love about it is that it's, it's very smart where it knows that if it's cold, it makes the car warm. If it's hot, it makes the car cold, right? So you don't have to actually do anything other than just start it, you know, a couple minutes before you get in and everything is, is climate controlled. Um, and, and I don't use a key anymore. The only time I've actually ever had to use the key is the one time I got a flat and the, the, the AAA person shows up and is like, well, do you have the key? And I'm like, the key? What do you mean the key? I didn't even know it had a key. What are you talking about? I have the little the thing with the button. He's like, no, 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 you need a key. What do I need the key for? He's like, well, I have to get the tire off of the back and you have to unlock it with the key. And I'm like, I don't have a key. And he's like, well, are you okay if I just go ahead and, and pop it off? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well... Otherwise, we're going to have to take you to a, um, you know, to, long story short, they're like, you're going to have to go like way out of your way. It's going to take like hours and hours and hours in order to get that tire so that we can replace it. Or I could just take my wrench and I could just pop the thing that wants the key off and then we could go ahead and we could just get the tire. And I'm like, yeah, do that. I don't even know where the key is. I don't have a key. And he pops it off and I'm sitting there going, if it's that easy to remove the thing for the key to not even need the key, why would you even put the key there in the first place? Because I'm sure no one's going into the business of stealing spare tires on various vehicles just so that they could, you know, get four of the same kind and have a matching set of tires. So anyway, I forget where I was going. What I started with the uh, the app. Oh no, and the fact that you don't need a key. That's where yeah. I ended. The fact that yeah. Well, yeah. The two things, like, and that's I, that's, another, that's another interesting use of you know, and that was pretty early on where you didn't you know. You didn't you remember when you had to get the electronic key, but you still have to put it into a slot, you know, inside a car, and then it's moved to where you just have to have it in the car someplace. And it's gotten to the point now where it knows whether you're in the car or not. 
or not, you know, actually, you know, and it can tell you, you know, it can beep when you leave the car with, with uh, the key in your pocket. So, but the car's still running, particularly with an electric car. Um, you know, I've had that happen before, like a rental or something where it's just, um, you know, it's so quiet, you don't realize that it's, it's still running and you walk out and all of a sudden the car starts freaking out because there's no, you've, it knows you've left it running with taking the key out. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, just so low powered and, and, but location aware, a lot of these technologies are. Um, but the other one I wanted to talk about is, you know, in terms of wire, uh, wireless technology, you know, there's all sorts of other interesting theoretical applications for, for, for you know, wireless technology, particularly around clothing. You know, we, we, you know, we've all talked about the watches and, and I think we talked about the rings before, et cetera. But, you know, I'm still not convinced that there's a lot of, um, a lot of other uses yet, you know, that for people to wear things. Because people don't wear a lot of other things be, besides those particular devices on a regular basis. So you're really trying to look, you know, trying to get people to wear something they not, would, wouldn't normally wear to get some additional benefit. Um, but I don't know. Thoughts well, on that? Nike started this whole smart sneaker thing for a bit, and then Under Armour tried to follow suit and do, like, um, athletic clothes with sensors inside. I don't think either of them really took off, or at least maybe not yet. Um, the sensors inside the Nikes, the way they did it was, like, you inserted the sensor into the sole and you could feel the difference as a runner in the sole. But the idea behind it was it could analyze your gait and the way you moved and and do things to, to give you more data about the run. At first it was just to tell you how fast you were going and how much mi how many miles were on the shoes, but but over time it was supposed to to do things to kind of help you run better and and the idea behind this athletic clothing that would also do the same was was kind of to prevent injury and help you out. But for some reason, it hasn't really kind of emerged or taken off. Well, so it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just looking at this. So um, they have inserts that you can get. So I, I, you know, I have a specific shoe and I just reorder them every, probably I wait too long. Melissa has already commented on that. I replaced a pair of shoes after 350 miles and you were kind of right because they were pretty beaten but the, the point being is that i started looking at you know the 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 inserts that you can put into the shoes and to be able to get the same sort of analytics and the problem is really with the technology right now and they'll they'll eventually solve it but there were there were two kind of deal breakers for me on that um one was the weight because each of the the implants or the 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 um the inserts that you put into the into the shoe added a couple of ounces per shoe. And so I was like, okay, so basically I'm running with wet sneakers in terms of the weight. And I know what it feels like to run with dry sneakers, and I know what it feels like to run with wet sneakers. And running with wet sneakers is definitely a huge difference, not because they're wet, but because they're heavier, because you're running with the, the, the water inside. So the weight had me concerned. But the other part, to Colin's point, was the battery life. It was like you had to get, you know, the um, you had to order. I forget what they were. They were the probably lithium batteries. They were small little batteries that you would have to put in, but they would only last five hours. That's what it said on the spec sheet. And I was like, well, you know, that's a week. So every week I got to be putting new batteries into this. So I, I stayed away from it. Um, the cost point was high, by the way. It was like it was it was three hundred dollars for the um, for those. So I, I didn't go all in and I'm interested to see, you know, what happens in the in another year or two, because I, there's there's a huge market for that. I think if you could add that in and you could make it, you know, um, you could address the weight and you could address the battery life issues with that, I think, because they, they build them into the shoes right now. Right. So to your point, the um, 
the, the Under Armors, right? I don't have experience with those, but I know people that run with the Under Armors. And the analytics that they get off of that, I, quite frankly, I'm pretty jealous, which is maybe what, you know, why I looked at it. But I, I don't run Under Armour. I run Brooks. And that's all I run and that's all I can run. So until, you know, Brooks offers that in that shoe, there's really nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I bought, I bought um, uh, power meters for my pedal or power meter pedals. It's the same thing. It tells you how how hard you're pushing down on the pedal when you cycle. Um, it's it's the best measure of power you can do. So when you're trying to train, figure out, you know, if are you going, you do it. But again, the battery life of them sucks. You know, you're changing these batteries every, you know, every couple weeks. You know, at least once a month, depending on how much you ride, um, um, or even more frequently. And again, it's the watch batteries. And you see some of these pop off, but you know, it's like another thing to worry about to change another freaking sensor. Like some some of the other like. Um, low sensors on the bike are much more low power, like the, the cadence sensor and the speaks, which uses the ant protocol. And I think these use ant as well, but they tend to be pretty, um, pretty, pretty power consu um, consumption. Also, oh, the other one, speaking of bike wireless technology that I love, I love, I love, um, I haven't bought, I bought one, but I need to buy the full set. Um, so I, I got for Christmas from my brother a couple of years ago, a, um, a radar for the back of my bike. Garmin makes one. So it's a little device that, you know, you, you charge up via USB and you turn it on when you ride. It syncs to your Garmin, your, your Garmin device. And then when a car is pulling up behind you, it alerts you. It beeps. It tells you how far they are. And it shows you shows them come passing you. So you've got your normal computer data and there's a little car that comes up along the slide of the thing. And if there's two, it'll show two. Every now and then you get false positive. You get like, a, you know, a couple of uh, uh, cyclists packed close together. You know, the little registers a car, but, you know, better safe than sorry with a few false positives. You slow down or be careful. Um, but I was riding earlier um, last fall with my brother, Neil, and he has one and because he was the one who got me it. And so I don't know what happened is like, oh, no, my battery died at mine. I forgot to charge the battery. That's made me think of the story again. And so I didn't have mine. So, but I was riding and he was behind me and I, all of a sudden I'm getting radar alerts and it knew we were riding together and it was feeding me his data. Um, and so apparently it'll do the same thing. If you, if you get the lights, they, they make rear and front lights for bikes as well. And it will do the same. If it, if it senses someone that you ride with is behind you, that you can, you know, it'll turn your rear, it'll, it'll, it'll dim your rear light and then, you know, and or the, it'll dim their front light. So they're not hitting you and just leverage your front light. So it, it's really, it's a smart mesh to determine, you know, who's, who's riding with you and, and, and optimize the lights and the radar as appropriately. So you get the best coverage. I thought that was really cool. Um, really not applicable with people or anything, but again, really interesting use for bikes and, you know, maybe running in some sense, but again, you don't need, you don't necessarily need that, that particular attribute when you're running. I don't think they make, I don't think they make radars for runners. It's probably too heavy a device because people when running, they don't, they want they don't want to carry heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you run regularly, you don't, if you run regularly, you don't have to want to deal with anything. You just want to like put your shoes on and like get it out of the way. Right. There's like the, the last thing you want to do is be like worrying about, well, these batteries are going to make it. And, you know, did I download this and all of that stuff. So it has to be, you know, invisible as far as, you know, the, the, you know, how you actually access the technology. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other interesting wireless technology I wanted to talk about is, and I think it's probably is um, you guys. Yeah. You guys are all blue bubble people. Um, is 
have you set up a new Apple device? Like an Apple, I don't, you guys don't use Apple TV. You've set up a new Apple TV. I did that recently. Um, and they now have this capability where you can, via Bluetooth, configure a device completely. So it'll read your network settings, your Apple ID, everything else, just from bringing the phone next to the Apple, the Apple TV. So I, I've tried to do that. It's failed in the couple of times that I've tried to do it. So having to go back in and kind of, you know, enter in the network and password and all that stuff. I mean, it wasn't, it's not like a huge ad. It's not, it's not like configuring, you know, a, you know, a meta device on a, you know, an old storage array. So it's not that complicated, but yeah, it is kind of cool when like all of that stuff like magically works. And um, I like the feature that when people come over and they want to join the password, the, uh, the network, they don't even have to do anything. It's, I get a notification that says, Hey, you know, here's this, this device. Is it okay? And you just hit the button, but it's like that, that smart stuff that like, you know, again, eliminates you having to think or it's all, it's the automation piece of it. Right. Well, yeah. And just it limits the reuse. Cause I mean, it's typed in once one place, and, you know, why should I have to reenter every time? And particularly, you know, Wi-Fi passwords are complicated or other things, you know, it's just, Hey, I've got this. Why can't I just share it and push it to a device? You know? And so this whole, this whole configure, which, you know, remember having to configure printers and stuff. And now, you know, wireless printing from your phone is possible, right. With, you know, with, without having to do anything. No, no downloading drivers, etc. <laughs> yeah. No going to hp.com. I use the wireless printing from the phone all the time, all the time. Uh, I I do too, but it's so funny that Colin said that because like I got I just got a, a new printer a um, couple of months ago because like okay I need to start I didn't have a printer before and it was like kind of a pain it was like I, I'd like to have some paper so I I got a printer and I'm such a geek like it came. And it had, it still had the device driver on a CD-ROM, and I'm like, oh shit, I don't have a CD-ROM. How am I going to get the driver loaded? So I put the printer in, and I like as I'm setting the thing up, I go out and I'm, I'm you know, googling, you know, the device driver, and the thing comes back and says it's installed. I'm like, what am I doing? There's no, I, I don't have to install a device driver. This is all like standard stuff. I'm not like, you know, doing anything special here. But it's like that, you know, it's it's the, you know, you, it's hard to unteach that behavior because you, you grow up and anytime, you know, you added a device to a, you know, a Windows machine, you had to have the device driver and it, it would go and it would install and then it would update all the software and it would take forever to do. Now you just kind of plug it in and away it goes. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, again, these, you know, the, and also the basic features have been sort of become commonplace, right? You know, it was your point, but you have to have a driver because it allowed this printer to do something special, et cetera. And they all basically do the same thing now. So it's, it's pretty easy to write a common driver for all of them, you know, a universal driver. Yeah. Yeah. But so what are the things we wish were wireless? Where we're still connecting and that we wish were wireless. So I'm glad you brought that up because one of the points that I had was um, so the headset that I use is still a wired headset, and I know I could have got a Bluetooth. This was this is a pretty high end wired headset that I got. It's super comfortable. Um, it never cuts out the the from what I've heard of playbacks and things like that. The the audio quality sounds great, and I just like the fact that it has because I can find the buttons to mute I can find the volume buttons all of that stuff right here and and you know I only use it when I'm at my desk where I have you know my my laptop up and running so the you know I, I don't have to get up and let the dog come out or go back in like Colin has to do so mm -hmm. I don't need that Bluetooth 
um, ability. Um, but I do like to have just the, the physical connection with the cord on the headset. And it's probably just kind of an old school thing. But yes, I like I like the corded headsets, um, you know, versus the wireless. You prefer them to be corded? I saw so the, the one that I have right now. Um, it, it's a um, oh, my God, it's a Logitech. And uh, I don't remember what model it was, but I got it because the reviews were really good for it. And I was like, well, should I just get a, a Bluetooth or something that's cordless? And I was like, you know what? I don't. I, I kind of like having the cord because it gives me something to kind of futz with once I'm, you know, on a Zoom call. So I did get, go with the um, uh, the corded, and um, yeah, it's been it's it works great. So um, no complaints. Nice. Hmm. I wish Melissa, there were more wireless charging options available. Like, I think it's cool that wireless charging for your phone is now available in most vehicles. I think it's cool that I can get, like, a wireless charging stand for my phone. What about my headphones? What about everything else? Like, I, I would love to just sit. Yeah, yeah. I know you've got... I'm, I'm, your, I'm waving my AirPods. AirPods. I'm waving my AirPods. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> but... But most most of my stuff, um, the bows that stay in my ear when I run, yeah. um, the the phone doesn't have enough wireless charging options, in yeah. my opinion. So I would love to see more of that. Yeah, I actually, think, I think that's a really interesting point. Cause, and and I, I'd like to, see, you know, I'd like to see standardization of that. I know, yes. you know, most things will work with Qi, but um, the Apple Watch doesn't. So I need, you know, I, I have a wireless charger for my Apple Watch. I have a live wireless charger for my phone and my, and my, and my headphones. I guess, you yeah. know, it's like I've got two different things. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right. The, the, I think that's sort of the next step is, is sort of the proliferation of, of wireless, um, of charging into other devices, because I think they're not, um, they're not as many of them as, as possible. Yeah. Standardization to the point that I can buy a nightstand that just charges all my things if I put that, put them on the nightstand. <laughs> Like, that would well, be that, amazing. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, that was the whole, the whole challenge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I have a, a three device wireless charger um, at my nightstand now. Um, for it's, it's got the MagSafe charger for the new app, the iPhone 12. It's got the, uh, a, a one for the Apple Watch, and it's got a standard Qi that I put my, um, my AirPods on. Um, but again, that's three different charging types, basically, um, on that. Um, but do you remember that um, was it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, Apple announced basically that it was one pad that would charge all your devices and it would be able to figure out which which one which one it was and how big the sensor needed to, to be to charge it. Because that's part of the challenge is, you know, you can't just blast, you know, uh, magnetic waves <laughs> up, up into, right. you know, induction waves to charge it. You actually have to be somewhat sized device. It would sort of sense that. And they were calling it air power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got delayed and delayed. They finally ended up canceling it about a year ago um, because apparently they just couldn't get, the coils would catch fire or something because they couldn't, you know, where they're going back and forth with that. So there's still a, a bit ways to go in terms of how to do that. So, um, yeah. yeah, you can do it with sort of defined spaces. You say, hey, if your device fits in this space, you can do it. But where you can just throw anything down on a map, um, not quite there yet. But yeah, yeah totally interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, out of all um, the devices that I have to worry about, my phone is the, the least of it because I have so many phone chargers in so many places in the car, at the desk, in the bedroom, wherever it is that they're everywhere. It's all the other ones that you like, oh, like, oh shit, you know, I, I haven't charged my Fitbit in six days. It's almost dead. I got to plug that in and wait for that to charge or, or the headphones. That's the, you know, the 
the um the Bose headphones if I'm gonna go for a run or whatever. Sometimes it's like, oh shoot, I forgot to plug those in. I know that those are pretty low. But yeah, it would be great to just have that kind of like all figure itself out or at least be able to send you an alert to remind you that says, Oh, by the way, I mean the Fitbit'll do it, but you know, some of the other devices to say, Hey, you didn't charge me today. Are you sure you're okay with that? Yeah, I think, but I think, yeah, I think, I think, you know, wireless control is sort of there right now, but wireless power is sort of the next step because it's there, but it's, it's nascent rudimentary. Yeah. Cool. Um, so speaking of, I think we've exhausted topics. Final sip of wine. Did we do, did we do a picture, Scott? No, we didn't. I'm glad you reminded yes. me. Okay. Yeah. Get that going. All right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Episode 42. Got it. Meaning of life Ooh. episode. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, so uh, next up is me, I believe. Next up is you, Scott. I was just going to pass it over to you. That's exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. <sighs> so, so many things, so many things. So I put probably more thought into this than I, than I should have. So um, spring is about to start in another couple of days. Um you know, the days are getting longer. Things are starting to warm up, although we're supposed to get, I think, four inches of snow tonight into tomorrow here in New England. Uh, but it won't hang around because it'll be warmer over the weekend. So it'll all melt. So it'll, it'll go away. We're at that transition point where we're trying to get rid of, you know, the cold and get into kind of the warmer weather. So I thought we would do some sort of spring, summer type of wine. So. I have Pinot Grigio. Part of the reason why I have Pinot Grigio is very selfishly uh, my my wine person suggested um, a bottle last time I was there. So I have it. I haven't had it yet. And I thought, okay, I'll save this um, for a podcast. But I know Colin objects to the Pinot Grigio, so I don't want to force anything on no, no, him. No, 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 I'm, I'm, no, I don't object to it. It's not my preferred, but I'm happy to go. I'm happy to go if you want. Well, my backup was to go with a rosé, so I will I will leave it to you do guys. The, do the, we've, we've done rosé before. Let's do the Pinot Grigio. Let's do a Pinot Grigio because I have one, so that'll be good. And I like Pinot Grigio, so that'll be the wine selection. And then the, the discussion topic, actually, it's kind of funny because we were sort of doing it in, in, in this episode. But I think, you know, we're, we're at that point in time where we're doing things like customer counsel. So customer counsel is you get a bunch of, you know, users and consumers of your products and technologies and you get them into a room and you share things with them that you wouldn't normally share with people outside of that bubble. But the intent is, is to share with them, you know, information um, in order to get their feedback and their reactions and just kind of hopefully be able to validate some of some of these things. So that's a customer council, not what we're going to do next week. But what I what I thought would be great was to talk about technology, really personal technology that you like, but you have suggestions on how those technologies can be improved uh, or new features that can be added. Because here's, here's I was shocked, and this is what brings this all up. Um, so I do, I do iTunes, so I do the Apple subscription for iTunes, and it's the family plan, so my, my kids use it as well. And they complained to me, they said, why do we do iTunes, iTunes, I won't use the word that they use to describe it, but it, it, it was not good. I said, well, why is it not good? You can get any song you want from any artist. Why don't you like it? Well, we should be doing Spotify. Well, why Spotify? Because Spotify is, when I had Spotify, it was very limited. You could subscribe, but it would like always be trying to, you know, sell you, you know, here's the playlist. And it would force music, not that iTunes doesn't do that if you go to some of their playlists. But I was fascinated because I thought the iTunes catalog was far superior 
than the Spotify catalog. And Melissa's already shaking her head. She already disagrees. No, the, but the, the number catalog has a lot of like obscure, awkward stuff. So iTunes is basically <sighs> mainstream only. So so I'm a mainstream sort of only kind of when it comes to most of my musical choices. But what they said to me is they said, no, we use Spotify. And I was very interested. Well, why do you use Spotify? And they said, well, because you can take you can create a playlist and you can share the playlist with other people and they can actually add in they can add things into that. So you can have a yeah. shared playlist of music. And I was like, yeah. well, you can and I was like, iTunes has to have that. I can't possibly think of, you know, the you know, the Apple store not well, how could Spotify have that and iTunes not have that? And they're like, Dad, it doesn't have it. You don't even have to look it up. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't have it. And I totally well, didn't believe them. And I looked it Scott. up and you cannot collaborate on an on an Apple playlist. You can only do well, I don't know what other services, we've, but we've, you can do we've that. We've shared playlists for running for years. We've never collaborated but, because it doesn't exist. You, so that's that's the thing. Well I just assume I I just assume my selections were so great it was like, all right, I'll just let him pick them. They're so awesome when they come in. But apparently that's that's a thing. And I I never even thought about it, and I was like, oh my god, that would be so cool if you had a playlist and you had a bunch of people you could share mm -hmm. it, and and it would be great to be able to add to it. But you can't do that on uh, on iTunes, and I was I was shocked. And then I started thinking, well, why wouldn't they want you to do that? Well, because you they someone's probably subscribing, and somebody's not subscribing, and they don't want to mix you know subscribers with non-subscribers. So I'm going through all these conspiracy theories about why would you stop someone from you know being able to do that and it had to be you know related to you know the the business model and kind of the, the financial side of it but it, I, I i don't know i i never even thought about it until they mentioned it and now i can't get it out of my head it's like why can't you do that because it should be pretty simple so anyway that would be one of the things that i would have talked about next week but i'm not going to talk about now because i've already covered it so that's the deal so we're doing uh pinot grigio because it's spring and it's going to be warm and we're going to do customer council where we're going to talk about products or technologies that we use, but we have suggestions. We have um, you know, very helpful things that we would like to put out there about how these different products and technologies can be improved. So that's what we're going with. Nice. Awesome. Excellent. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, thanks for our little... Um, Sojourn into fruit wine. Um, and by the way, we actually never discussed what fruit wine was. Or shit, I meant to do this earlier in the episode. Um, fruit wine is wine generally that's made with fruit, you know, fruit juice pressed from a fruit, uh, and then and then fermented like wine. Sorry, I meant to do that earlier in the episode. Um, though sometimes there are fruit wines that, like plum wine, in in Japanese restaurants, is not a wine technically. They just soak. Uh, plums in in um, in spirits and let the, the the spirits go into it. So there's a different way to do it. But anyhow, thank you for our little sojourn into fruit wine. Um, be they sweet, be they tart, whatever. And our little talk about wireless technology. Um, and that, that let's say goodbye, Scott. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for joining. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know.